University of Maryland Global Campus was established to bring a respected state university education to working adults at home and abroad. 70 years ago, we sent professors overseas to educate service members and their families on military installations and on the front lines. Today, we're online because that's where working adults need us, that's where you need us. We'll support your commitment to being a successful student with services that fit your lifestyle, and we offer more than 90 programs and specializations for where you are and where you want to be. University of Maryland University College is now University of Maryland Global Campus. We go the distance because times have changed, but what we're made for hasn't. UMGC offers online support for veterans, including resources at the Veterans Resource Center, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, virtual advising, transfer credits, and lifetime career services. Speak to our dedicated military and veterans advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. everyone you are tuned into the trust and believe nomad cast i am your humble host retired master sergeant 20 hope everyone had a great tuesday yesterday um everything was good on my end no issues to continue to move forward and i will always say any day you're north of the grass is always a good day again any day you're north of the grass is always a good day so just thinking about my opening remarks today, I don't know if I really want to address it, but I think I will just, you know, as a public service announcement. So Henry Ruggs is a former wide receiver of the Las Vegas Raiders. And I say former because they released him this morning. Well, yesterday, if many, many of you have heard or may not have heard, he was in, involved in a fatal car crash that ended up killing, I believe, a 23-year-old young lady. It was a high rate of speed out there in Las Vegas. It was like 3.30 in the morning. He was impaired. So he ended up, I think, veering to one side of the lane, ended up crashing into her. And, you know, it's just an unfortunate situation. I don't want to go too uh, deep into it because I don't really have a lot of the details, and I'm not trying to report anything. The main reason I want to bring that up is because my father have always told me nothing good happens after midnight especially in cities like Las Vegas. And, you know, he's an NFL player, got a lot of money. But, the you know, the issue is he's impaired. You know, and I've always said, and me and my wife always talked about this, if you have someone that has an influence, that has uh, available resources to have an Uber driver, this could be anybody, not just an athlete, but just speaking on the athlete side, if you have the resources to hire a permanent driver, uh, get you an Uber or do anything, have someone drive for you. It's like time and time again, all these so-called famous people, these A-list people, these athletes, they get caught up in these DUIs, DWIs, and all of this when all you had to do was get an Uber, hire a driver. I know in the military, we always, you know, so many senior leaders, junior leaders, they get caught up in these DUIs and these DWIs, and all you had to do Let's get a taxi cab, get an Uber, have someone drive you. Getting behind the wheel while you impaired, I'm telling you, it is a recipe for disaster. And unfortunately, a family has to suffer because their child is no longer here due to his negligence, due to his ignorance. Now you also have to kind of peel the onion back to what led him to drink. 
He was in the car with his girlfriend. I think she ended up getting injured, and I think he's still in the hospital. But it doesn't take the pain away of someone losing their child. And as a dad, you know, as a parent, I couldn't even fathom that happening. Um, again, like again, like my father always said, man, nothing ever good happens after midnight. Uh, a lot of times you shouldn't even be out in the streets that late. I mean, I know things can happen whenever, but it's always a recipe for disaster. You know, and now I think he's going to face if he's convicted. I know he's been charged, I think, with two felonies, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he's facing if he's convicted, he faces like two to 20 years. Again, that fails in comparison of what happened to the young lady. And, you know, my condolences to her family. And it's just an unfortunate set of circumstances, you know, to all the everyone, not just athletes, not just rich people. I mean, regular people like us, you know, the nine to five just regular people going through life every day. If you get to the point where you need to drink some alcohol or you under the influence and you want to get behind that wheel, man, you can't do it, man. Cause it's, it's history has proven the stats do not lie. The data does not lie. People get hurt. People get killed in these incidents. It's just unfortunate, man. So I don't want to spend too much time on it because it can be very somber and it just feels something, you know, as a, as a dad, as a husband, you know, friend, cousin, family member, whatever, man, it's just, it's unfortunate. It is definitely unfortunate that, you know, people have to go through this because due to someone's ignorance and someone's negligence. Um, so moving forward, um, today is way back Wednesday. Today is way back Wednesday. And I'm going to tell three stories comprise three stories all into one. And it's my issue with large bodies of water. <laughs> and I'm explaining my issue with large bodies of water, right? Talking about pools, daggone lakes, rivers, oceans, the whole nine. So I got like three stories. I'm going to tell three different stories in three different locations, but they all kind of, the main theme is my issue with large bodies of water, right? So again, appreciate that. Continue to hit that subscribe button, get the downloads increasing on the audio side and all the et cetera. So appreciate everything. Again, we're going to tell the story about my issue, my issue with large bodies of water. Stay tuned. Way back Wednesday is coming at you. All right, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back to the Trust and Believe Nomad Cast here on the Way Back Wednesday on 3 November 2021. Way Back Wednesday. All right, so as I talked about in my opening remarks, I'm going to tell three stories about my issues with large bodies of water, right? I have an issue with large bodies of water, flown over water, been in oceans, the whole nine. So I'm just going to break it down right now. So the first first instance where I knew I was not going to be a fan of water, water survival, aqua skills, and all, all that. My parents took me to a YMCA way back in, I want to say maybe like 1985, 86, something like that. And it used to be a YMCA on Jefferson Avenue in Detroit. I don't think, I don't think that YMCA is there anymore. But anyway, my dad was like, I'm gonna teach you how to swim. You need to learn how to swim. I grew up in Detroit, man, concrete jungle, freeways, concrete, concrete buildings, blocks. You know, we got the Detroit river and we got the, the lakes surrounded by us and all that. But 
you know, I was never a fan of like, you know, going to the beach and all that sort of stuff. Nah, nah, I stick with this concrete. I'm good. Cause I can control where I'm walking the water. I can't control nothing. I think that's probably my biggest issue is that I don't have any control. So it ended up taking me to this, uh, this YMCA in Detroit. And so I get in the water already. I knew this wasn't for me. Cause for one, the smell of chlorine just does something to me. It's like, it brings up bad memories. You know how people, they smell a certain scent and it brings, it builds up a, brings up a bad memory. That's what chlorine does to me. Anytime I smell chlorine, if I'm near a pool or something, I always think about being at that YMCA in Detroit. So I ended up getting in the water and the gentleman, the lifeguard, he was like, okay, can you swim? And I'm saying to myself, dude, this is the reason why I'm in the YMCA training academy to learn how to swim. He was like, well, are you scared of the water? I said, I don't, I'm not scared of the water. I just, I'm not a fan of the water. You know, this, I just don't like it. So my dad said, no, I get in get in the pool. So the parents had to go behind like this plexiglass and they kind of watch. <laughs> And I put on the show. So I get in the water and we started like with the three, I think it's like the three foot pool. It was like the, the kid pool, the tadpole, tadpole pool or whatever it was. So I'm getting in there. It was like 20 freaking kids. And all these kids, oh, they jumping up and they're swimming in and they doing all this. And they're doing this and they're doing the backstroke and they doing this. And I'm sitting there, I'm just bouncing up and down. That's all I'm doing. I'm just bouncing up and down in this water, right? Cause I'm to me, I'm like, this is great. If you if you guys want to pay for me to bounce in this water, I could bounce all day, right? I was bouncing back in the 80s before it became popular, right? And uh these other kids are swimming. So I noticed the rest of the kids that was in there actually trying to swim, they end up migrating over to I think like the 10-foot pool, because it was like a three-foot, a 10, and then it went to like 18. And that's how deep the pool was to me. Three feet in the pool is like 26,000 feet. I'm good with it. Right. And, uh, the guy was like, yo, my man, my man, this is an adult talking to me. Yo, my man, he was like, you need to get off the, uh, stop putting, having your hands on the rail of the pool, man. You need to get with the rest of the uh, students. So I'm like, no, nah, sir, I'm good. So I'm on the wall, you know, I'm kicking. I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm really doing something. I ain't doing nothing but just holding the side of the pool and just bouncing up and down, right? And my father always said, well, at least I know you could be a good boxer. I said, why? He said, because all you do is just bounce up and down. And um, so he ended up getting me. He pulled me over to like the, the middle part, like the 10-foot pool, pool. And oh, man, I went freaking ballistic. I'm kicking. And I'm punching. I'm doing all this. And so they was like, uh, sir, ma'am, can you please get this young man out of this water? Because... I don't want him to hurt himself, you know, and that dude probably was like, man, if I could just take your head and put it down in that water. And so that was my first, my first, uh, incident. I won't say an incident, but that was my first significant emotional event when it came to water. I knew this was not for me. So that's the Detroit version. I think that birthed the reason why I feel this way about water. So years later, I joined the freaking Marine Corps and Marines is aquatic. They do things in the water. They do all these reconnaissance operations in the water. They're amphibious, water, deep water, shallow water. The common denominator is water, right? So I joined the freaking Marine Corps. 
And my recruiter asked me, he said, dude, do you know how to swim? And I said, no. He said, are you scared of water? I said, no, I'm not scared of it. I just don't like to be in it. He said, well, dude, you know, you join the Marines. You know, we do swim calls every year. You got to pass a swim test, a very stressful swim test in boot camp. Do you think you can do it? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm going to find a way to get out this swim test. Okay. So I ended up getting the boot camp and everything. And then we got to the week where you had to swim. And I remember that day, it was freaking chilly outside. And we were marching. We had the, like the old school Marine Corps shorts on and all that. So all these freaking Marines, wannabe Marines in boot camp, we all in there. All the drill instructors are around. They freaking yelling at you. Um, some of them pushing people in the water. This is back in the day now. It was a little different. And then they had like the, the water survival uh, Marines that was qualified to instruct. They was in the pool. And then you had your EMT and all your safety folks, right? So the drill instructor was like, all right, everybody that knows how to swim, get on the side of the wall now, do it. So everybody that knows how to swim, they had to get on this side of the wall. And it's like half my platoon, probably, well, probably more than half of my platoon got on the side of the wall. So it was like me, uh, a dude named Primo that was from Jamaica and um, about 10 other cats didn't know how to swim. So I'm like, shoot, man, it's strength in numbers. You know what I'm saying? We united, right? So we get in that pool. You got on your full kit. You got your freaking helmet on. You got your dummy rifle. You got your uniform on. And then with the old style, you know, you had to, uh, the whole purpose of the water survival is to make your pants, you know, be a flotation device, right? I could not get that part of it. So swim call week, I think was like Monday through Thursday or something like that. And then if you end up failing, you had to come back uh, and retrain. And then uh, if you failed that, then they recycle you. You got to start this thing over. And I was already, I, I want to say I was probably maybe eight, nine weeks already in until a 13 week boot camp. So I didn't want to have to do all this mess over, right? So finally, the 10 folks that didn't know how to swim, it came down to like four of us. There's no more strength in numbers. So I'm like, you know, man, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make it. So finally, the drill instructor's like, you can't swim. You ain't going to be a Marine. You might as well go back home. You might as well go back home. You know, that's how the Marine uh, Corps drill instructors talk, right? So I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So the first thing you had to do, they teach you how to float and do all this stuff. And I just could never figure this thing out, right? Because for one, I don't like the water. I hate the smell of it, right? Pool water anyway. So then they march you around to the diving board. Now you got to dive in the pool at Paris Island. It was like 18 feet, I think it was. So you dive into the pool. You jump into the pool. And they got to the point, I, w I was so happy with jumping in the pool. I was like, shoot, man, I know how to jump. It's like, if you get in the pool and jump, you got to do more than that. So I get in the pool. You go down and you auto automatically, you know, float up. I'm pushing drill instructors heads down in the water. They probably want to drown me because I went through a whole week of this mess. And these dudes are probably like, you know what? You just can't, you're not going to make it. So they was like, okay, once you get in the water, once you pop back up, you got to swim 25 meters on your back. Oh my gosh. That seemed like. I just could not do it. it. I didn't have no strength. It was, oh man, I just could not do it. Could not do it. So I remember 
uh, that night when I came home, I came home, went back to the, uh, to the barracks and they gave us like an hour for personal time where you can write letters and all this. Right. So I remember I wrote my grandmother a letter and, um, I was like, I don't think I'm gonna make it. I think I'm gonna have to get recycled. I can't swim. I can't figure this out. You know, I'm struggling, you know, grandma, please pray for me and all this. Right. And that's we mailed the letter and then that next week everyone that failed swim call that initial swim call we had to go back either that next week or the following week so all the the, the guys in boot camp with me was like yo man you need to you know make sure you because we all want to graduate that was our motto our mission to all graduate at one time and it was like i forgot how many of us that was in boot camp in my platoon but only two didn't graduate and that was due to uh, medical issues and uh but our thing was we're going to graduate together we all got to graduate together you got to find a way to swim man and the drill instructors man they used to make fun of me the dude from detroit can't even swim y'all ain't got no water in detroit i thought it was surrounded by lakes you know they just <laughs> just going off and off man and so uh that following week i ended up getting a letter back from my grandmother my grandmother's like we're praying for you baby you can do it you can do it just you know trust trust and trust pray you can do it so the following week it was uh me a guy named primo he was from jamaica we was the last two left and we had like a they gave us almost i won't say like a pretest, but that we had the swim call on that tuesday but then we actually execute everything that thursday so it's pressure because it was like if you don't pass this time you're going to get recycled and you're going to be a paris island forever right and so um they was like, I can't believe you guys don't know how to swim. He said, I get it. You from Detroit and don't know how to swim. But Primo, you're from freaking Jamaica. Y'all surrounded by water. How the freak you don't know how to swim? I mean, he's just freaking just going off. And so the day came where we had to freaking execute this mission. So Primo get in the water. I get in the water. We got all our gear on, everything walking around. Then we had to go to the diving board. And it was like, if you don't pass this this part of the test, you're going to get recycled, bottom line, execute, do it now. So I jump in the water. I said, all right, my grandma believed in me. I got to do this. I want to graduate with the rest of my guys in, here in uh, boot camp. So I get in the water, pop back up. Now there's an execute the backstroke. Now do it. So I start swimming the backstroke. You had to swim 25 meters, right? So I'm swimming. Oh, I'm running out of gas. I'm so freaking tired. I'm swimming. At least what I think I'm doing. And I know what before all this, my body will automatically sink. And I don't know what it was, man. It was like no one was holding me up, but I felt I was being held up, right? And I started swimming. And it was counting down the meters. All right, you at 10 meters. You at five meters. Stay with it. Stay with it. And I ended up passing that. That was the hardest part for me. Because everything else, if I remember, you just had to maneuver in the water and and utilize your uh, trousers as your flotation device but for me that was the hardest part was jumping off that freaking diving board and actually doing something in the dive in the pool because before i would just jump, jump off the diving board and i'd be down there so long man you think i'm watching tv so the drone instructor they come grab me put me up because they think i was drowning but I, they was like, you get in the water, you got to execute it. They always will say that. You get in the water, you got to execute. So I was so thankful that I ended up passing that and I ended up graduating on time with the rest of my uh, 
my guys in boot camp. And even Primo, Primo was worse than me. And he was from freaking Jamaica. And his father was like one of the top swimmers in Jamaica. Go figure. So that was my second issue with the water. Why I don't like pools because of that significant emotional event in Detroit. Cause I just the smell of that, that chlorine. And then it get all up in my nose and my ears. It's just something about it to all the folks out there that love to swim. You probably like, dude, you, you're overreacting for me. Swimming is like my Achilles heel. And then getting to boot camp, knowing that I can't freaking swim. I enlist in the branch of service second to the Navy that loves freaking amphibious operations. You got to do this. And so I remember my drill instructor was like, you may have passed this time, but you better get your skills together. Cause when you go out to the fleet Marine force, which is where you go to your permanent party, you're going to have to learn how to swim. So I got to Yuma, Arizona and probably I think nine, 10 months after I had got to Yuma, guess what we got? We got a freaking swim call. So Gunny was like, Hey, everybody remember we got swim call tomorrow. I hope all y'all can swim. So everybody in my, uh, office, Oh, I can swim gunny. I can swim gunny. And it was like, Anderson, can you swim? I'm like, gunny, I'm good. I can survive. He's like, all right, we're going to see. So here we got, it was, we had to start like at six o'clock in the morning. And there was other units that was, uh, it was all time a lot. Like, okay, this unit go from eight to 10 until all that guys are uh, qualified. And then the next unit go. So it was my turn. So what I started, I noticed, and I'm a very observant person very my situation awareness is 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 keen right so i'm looking around and i'm like okay all they're doing need appliances don't wait for black friday get to bray friday going on now at bray and scarf make your one-on-one vip appointment for huge appliance savings in store and online get doorbuster deals like a ge 27 cubic foot stainless steel french door refrigerator with fingerprint resistant finish for just 15.99 save 700 dollars. don't miss the bray friday savings shop local at bray and scarf where it doesn't cost more to get more Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments, where bold moves require confident blueprints, where you can accelerate transformation through consistency, where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at SAIC.com cloud. It's going to the pool here. They jump into, they put on the the, uh, the gear. They jump in the water, swim 25 meters. They get to the other end of the pool. And then there's a, a Marine at the other side of the pool with a clipboard and everything. He just writes your name down. I said, but the biggest thing I'm noticing, whenever they report to, I think it was like a staff sergeant at the end of the pool, the, the common denominator is they're all wet. So I'm like, shoot, man, all I got to do is go to the shower where we was doing the swim call. Cause it was like a, a outdoor, um, outdoor pool. And then, you know, the, the showers on the other side. So I'm like, shoot, all I got to do is just kind of, you know, move my way and wiggle my way through the crowd and everything. And no one's going to say anything to me. I'm just a little Lance corporal from Detroit. So I walk around and I'm again, I'm noticing this. I'm letting it go through a couple cycles, kind of watching this thing. 
again, Marine getting the water. It's like four or five. Uh, I think they had like two diving boards. So those multiple pe people going around. They get in the water. They do their swim call. They do all this. And then they come at the end, get out the pool, say their name, and then they're good. So the staff sergeant's not really paying attention to people that's in the water. He's there just, you know, getting his clipboard and making sure to manifest and writing, you know, whoever passed or whatnot. Because if you make it to him, you passed. So I'm like, let me watch this again for about 10 more minutes just to ensure, you know, whatever I'm getting ready to execute, even though it's wrong. Let me make sure this is right. So again, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm already strategizing. I'm looking, okay, boom, water, pool, da, 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 does this thing, get to the other side, staff sign, okay, you get to go. Bet, it is time to execute this. So I walk, maneuver myself behind a diving board, because they are busy with people in the pool. So I walk around, I, I ease my way into that shower. Now I got on my gear and everything. Again, the common denominator, the theme is to ensure my uniform is wet to make it look like I passed my swim call. So I get in there. Oh, I just, I took the best shower of the day that day. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm making sure my uniform is just drenched. It's just drenched because if I come out the, the shower, the only thing people are going to assume that I went there to use the bathroom. They ain't going to think that someone took a shower to act like he was wet from being in the pool. Right? So I made sure my uniform was just drenched, just drenched, heavy the whole nine. So then I walk on the other side, just move my way down. And I made sure a lot of people was around. I wasn't walking by myself. So I end up integrating myself with the crowd. We walked to the end and then it was like three people in front of me. They gave their name, Spencer Jackson. Then he was like, your name? I was like, Anderson, Lance Corporal. Um, he said, okay. He said, you guys, uh, you guys are good to go. He's all right. Report to your units. I was like, thanks staff sergeant. Appreciate it. You have yourself a good day. Okay. So then I ended up going back to my, uh, getting kind of dried off again. Um, uh, I changed it to my PTs. I went to my barracks room, took a shower and everything, put on my duty un uniform for the day. So we had a meeting that afternoon with all the Marines in our office. So Gunny kind of going over like all our training notes, things that we got to accomplish for the month and all this. PT test the whole nine. So he was like, Hey, he says, so everybody, I'm assuming everybody passed one call today. And, uh, we was like, Roger Gunny. He was like, uh, hold on. Let me look through this list. He got to my name. He's an Anderson. He's an Anderson. You did just one call today. I was like, Roger Gunny. He's like, okay. He said, oh, all right, everybody good. He said, moving on to the next one. So yeah, I told a lie way back when in the nineties and I kind of cheated the system because I didn't actually go through that swim call. But gosh, dog, I went through that swim call. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I tell you, man, I was not going through that again. So in four years in the Marine Corps, I went to swim call once and, and boot camp because there was no way to get out of it. And then my first year in, in the Marines in uh, Yuma, Arizona, we had a, a, a installation-wide swim call. And I did what I needed to do. Just I mentioned in the, in the aforementioned story, right? And I executed that. So I hold that to my heart that yes, I went through swim call. No matter how you look at it, at the end of the day, my name was on that roster. And this is way back in the nineties, right? <laughs> but I tell you, that was my fear of water. I did not want to go through that again. I, the Detroit with the pool at the YMCA, the pool at Paris Island during Marine boot camp, And then that pool in Yuma, Arizona, I found a way to cheat the system.
It is what it is. So my last issue with water, large bodies of water is, well, it's a couple flying overseas. So I've been overseas. We've lived overseas, been deployed overseas, took, did exercises overseas, uh, missions, rotations, the whole nine. Whenever I get on a plane, right? And I fly overseas. The first thing I look at, you know how they have the map embedded in the seats and everything in the seat in front of you. First thing I look at, I look at the, the large body of water, whether I was flying over the Atlantic, whether I was flying over the Pacific or whatever. I always look at, man, I don't, I don't care about the land. I'm looking at the freaking water. And I tell you, no matter the places I've been overseas, all the countries I've lived and visited, I always look at the large amount of water. I could be sleep on a flight and I try to put myself to sleep knowing we're, we're flying over a large body of water. And I always make sure, let me get my best nap in while we're flying over this water. So I always look where the plane is getting ready to go over the water. I'm like, okay, it's a whole lot of blue going on, right? There's a whole lot going on right now. Let me just try to go to sleep. And I go to sleep thinking I'm going to sleep for like 13 hours. I wake back up. We like in the middle of the water. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Now if the plane's going to crash and fall, it's going to, there's nothing I can do about it. But it's almost, it's like, I can't control it. And it's like, you know, I guess some people, they feel claustrophobic. They can have stuff on their face. They in the closet. That's how I feel in the airplane when I'm flying over bodies of water. Now I'm not, you know, belligerent and acting crazy and nothing like that. But internally, the insides are eating me up because I have no control over what's happening. The only thing I can do, I can pray first and foremost. Second thing, the only thing I can do is just go to sleep to try to sleep off the anxiety, try to sleep off this mental pain because this pilot's flying over water. How long has this pilot been flying this plane? Is he certified? Did he get his pilot's, pilot's license at Jerry's Chicken Shack? I mean, what's going on here? Is he awake? Is the co-pilot awake? Is everyone, has this plane been serviced? It's almost like I told the story about sitting up under an uh, underpass or under a bridge in traffic. That's where my anxiety kicks in, PTSD, I can't stand it. That's how I feel in a, in a plane flying over large bodies of water. And then you would think, dude, you didn't live overseas, you didn't been deployed overseas and all this, don't matter. Again, I'm not belligerent to the, the flight attendants or any passengers, nothing like that. But internally, it just, you know, it's like, hurry up and get this plane over this water. Hurry up, hurry up. And we were in Okinawa, Japan, surrounded by the East China Sea, the Philippine Sea, and the ocean, right? And we had what we call a dragon boat. And I got my dragon boat t-shirt here, if you can see it. So we were part of the Dragon Boat, which is huge in, in Okinawa and other tropical countries as well. But Dragon Boat, uh, you had a Dragon Boat races during uh, Golden Week. It was like a week of celebrations, a festive event in Okinawa, right? So my wife was already a member of the Dragon Boat team, the women's Dragon Boat team. So I'm like, okay, our first year in Okinawa, she's part of the team. I'm like, you know what? I got to find a way to be part of the Dragon Boat team. This dude can't swim. I ain't got no business being in somebody's ocean. I ain't got no business being on someone's freaking dragon boat. Right? So I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step out on faith. I'm going to challenge myself. Right? So our first practice, we were practiced at this dock. Uh, I forgot the location, the name of it. But it's a dock we used to practice. And they had like a, a pseudo uh, 
boat. We would pretend like the dock was a boat. And then we had a Sergeant Major who was our coach and he would teach us how to paddle, you know, how not to get winded when you paddling. Cause when you paddle in that water, man, it takes a lot of cardio to, to get it going. And I was in definitely great shape back then. So we're, you know, we're paddling. We're learning the nuances of paddling and when to go, when to go. And he's situating people with their strengths. Some guys are stronger on their left. Some guys are stronger on their right. And he had positioned by the big guys, the small guys. And, you know, he would, that was his job. And just to coach, teach, and mentor. So I'm like, man, this is great, man. You know, you're part of a team. I'm really enjoying this. Then it was like, oh, you know, when we actually do the dragon boat race, worry about the, the sneeze, sea snakes and all these other different things. I'm like, man, I ain't worried about no snakes. I'm worried about this freaking ocean we getting ready to go into. So after we was doing that, everything was fine. So then, okay, now we're about to go live with it. And we're going to have probably like five or six practices in Naha, uh, Japan, uh, which is like the downtown area. We're going to have practices and then we execute the actual uh, dragon boat race. And we was racing against a whole bunch of teams, man. It was a great event. Continues to be a great event. And so, uh, we had our practices on a Saturday. So we all go to Naha, man, you know, and everyone's practicing. So it's not just us. I mean, the whole, everybody, the air force got their team, the army, the Marines, the firefighters, uh, DA civilians, everybody got, got a team. So we out there, we got our boat. And we're practicing see of Japan and we just practice and practice. Uh, and, uh, so the guys that was on my boat, they loved freaking water. I didn't love the water. The only thing I liked about the dragon boat was the camaraderie, the spree decor and all those things. Right. So we getting, we, I mean, we're moving, man. We're paddling, we paddling, we paddling. And so we had to turn around this thing. Cause one of our weaknesses was we didn't turn around fast enough because everything is built on time. Right. So we keep going, we keep going. So the guy, it was a master sergeant that was like, we need to make these turn fast. You know, he's all about, you know, we got to make these turns faster. You guys, you know, you're sucking this and that. So I'm like, man, we're going fast as we need to go. We don't need to go any faster, right? So there's like, when we get around this turn, we already paddling. Once we get around this turn, we got to really dig in, dig in. That's what our Sergeant Major used to say. You got to dig in, dig in. These dudes dug so much. I'm telling you that freaking vessel that we was on it started leaning and this part was freaking nothing but freaking sea and i'm like yo my paddle i'm like this close it's like if i'm like this the freaking water is like this on me i'm freaking petrified i'm thinking i'm about to flip in this freaking boat and these dudes are going to swim to freaking land and they're going to freaking leave me. And then some freaking shark and octopus are going to freaking take me. And then I'm freaking done. You know, I'm just going ballistic. I'm freaking mad. And I was a sergeant first class. I was at E7. We had majors, lieutenant colonel, sergeant majors. I'm getting mad. I ain't even care. I said, man, blank this, man. You know, you guys out here thinking this is a game. This ain't no effing game. I mean, I'm just going off. And he dudes like, dude, relax. Because they understood I was the only one that didn't know how to swim. There's a dude, relax. We're not, we, we didn't tip over. And if you don't want to be on the team, you can get off the boat. So everybody kind of looking at me like, what you going to do? So I ended up staying on the boat, but I was like, I was so close. I felt to drowning. It was like almost that water was like cheek high and I could be exaggerating, but I don't think I'm not right. Cause it's always truth in my story. And 
I'm telling you, that water was so, and it was like just so cold up against my face, man. And it's like just, oh, man, I was so freaking mad that day. I told my wife, and she was like, dude, settle down. You, you didn't tip over. You're good. Because my wife, you know, she's into the water, and she can swim and do all this stuff. I'm like, no, man, I'm a land creature. I, I enjoy the land, right? So we end up uh, practicing again, no issues, and then we actually had the dragon boat race. And I don't know, we didn't place first in the actual race, but, you know, my fear of the water, my issue with water, uh, it kind of subsided with that because the guys like, Hey man, if you don't want to be on the team, you can freaking leave. And I ended up standing. We got the dragon boat shirt and I'm kind of proud of this man because yeah, it was 2015 Okinawa, Japan. And I tell you, man, it was a, it was a good time. Um, and I think after that, and then I'm gonna wrap this up after that, uh, we was out at one of the beaches cause it's like just billions of beaches in Okinawa, Japan. My daughter we was out there at the beach on a Saturday one day as a family, just kicking it nice weather outside and everything. And, uh, they had one of these, uh, the guys will have a boat, a speed boat, but attached to the back of the boat was like a, uh, almost like a balloon. I won't say a balloon, like a float, a big flotation, uh, circle. I, I guess that's what you want to call it. I don't know the name nomenclature, but people can get on this balloon. It's almost, I won't say a balloon. It's almost like a couch. But I think like five or six people can get on there. You, you ain't strapped in. You just got to hold on. So my wife, my, my daughter was like, dad, let's get in the water. I'm like, nah, I think your mom wants to do it. So then my wife was like, no, nah, baby, go out there with your daughter, man. So, you know, I can't be no punk, you know, in the face of, you know, adversity right in front of my kids. So I go out there and I didn't want to do it right. Cause of my fear of water, my, I don't say fear, my issue with the large bodies of water. So I get in this freaking thing and my daughter's like on this side, I'm on her side and uh, we holding on to these little straps, man. The straps wasn't worth them, weren't worth nothing. So we hold on to it. So the dude, he starts off slow and he asks me with speed. I say, just a regular speed. I don't need to, you know, we don't need the freaking evil Knievel this thing. So then my daughter's like, go faster, go faster. So he's going to turn around and get a thumbs up. This dude, man, this dude had to be going at least seven, 1700 miles an hour. Oh, he's spinning us all, all around this freaking large body of water. Oh, we just going, oh, my daughter just laughing. This is just so fun. I'm in there like just mad stiff, right? I don't want to look around. I don't want to do nothing. I'm trying to protect her, but knowing if I'm in this water, I can't protect nobody. I can't protect myself. So I'm trying to hold on to, on to her and this bootleg strap, right? And he's spinning all the thing going up and down. Oh, my daughter just laughing. Oh, this is the best time ever. Oh, I'm the greatest dad. Thank you for coming out here with me. And I'm like, man, when we get back to this beach, we're freaking going home, right? That's That whole ride lasted probably 15 minutes, but it felt like seven years. So finally, you know, he heard me holler. I was like, slow it down, slow it down. You know, I'm just hollering. The dude just laughing. He can barely hear me. Oh, he just waving. I'm like, slow it down. So then he finally slowed down. Um, and then we got to the, the daggone uh, beach on the side of the beach. And he let us off. And he kind of shook my hand. And he said something in Japanese. He probably said something derogatory to me. Probably saying this dude can't swim. Why the F he get on here? But I mean, he was cool, man. It was no disrespect or nothing. But my daughter was like, can we do it again? I said, no, 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 we're, we're good. Daddy doesn't feel too good. My knees hurt. <laughs>
So again, that was my kind of story with uh, way back Wednesday talking about my issues with water. Again, the first one was in Detroit and being in the swimming pool, even to this day, swimming pool water, just the smell of it, the chlorine is just, ugh, it's just something I, I think about all that. And then being in uh, Marine boot camp in that water and being forced to swim and almost getting recycled because he couldn't pass the freaking swim call, then getting the Yuma and, uh, you know, doing what I need to do to ensure my name was on that training manifest. <laughs> Cause you know, it, it was what it was. And then being in Japan, knowing I, I don't belong in no freaking water, but I'm out there in the freaking the Philippine sea and the sea of Japan out there, freaking, you know, drag a boat, which was fun. And then that episode with my daughter on that freaking, uh, float floating couch on the, on the water. But again, that was fun, man. That's one of the beauties about living in Japan. Um, uh, just kind of being around that water water to me is very peaceful. I like being around it. I love looking at it. I don't like being in it. And that's the problem. I love it for view. It's very therapeutic. Just sitting there, just looking, looking at the water, listening to the water is therapeutic, but I am not the type of person. I, I don't want to be in the water and my units in Japan. We used to have like, uh, parties, uh, unit functions, cause there's so many resorts on the Island and we used to have all sorts of functions, uh, on the Island at some of the resorts and I wouldn't get no water. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I watch all the meat. I'll watch the grill from here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man. And then my wife, she ended up scuba diving, getting her scuba diving license, getting certified in Japan. So I used to watch her and cheer her on. I just wanted to be that, that continuity of support. You know what I mean? So, uh, but it was all good, man. I thought it was kind of a fun story to tell on uh way back Wednesday, man, them days of being around that water. So hope you guys appreciate it. The, uh, the story today, I always try to keep these stories kind of light and fun, man. I tell you, I got stories for days, man, stories for years, but I just thought about that yesterday, telling the story about my issues with uh large bodies of water. So I hope you appreciate it. Um, again, this is the third of November, 2021 Wait, This has been a segment of way back Wednesday. Hope you appreciate it. Hope you guys have a great and wonderful day today. Execute everything you want to do in life and make sure you plan, have a plan, be deliberate in your plan, conduct the appropriate deep dives to ensure your plan is, uh, is going to work and then validate your plan, execute your plan and do all those things. One thing I want to leave you with, I know I've been saying in the past, I want to have a nugget for you every day. So today's nugget is no matter how dark, no matter how dark it is, the hand always knows where the mouth is at. Think about that. No matter how dark it is, the hand always knows where the mouth is at. All right. So take that for what is worth. Appreciate it again. Way back Wednesday today, tomorrow. It's sneaker stories on the Thursday, so that'll be fun. And then we'll wrap it up for the week. So again, see you guys tomorrow. Be safe. One love. Peace. University of Maryland Global Campus was established to bring a respected state university education to working adults at home and abroad. 70 years ago, we sent professors overseas to educate service members and their families on military installations and on the front lines. Today, we're online because that's where working adults need us. That's where you need us. We'll support your commitment to being a successful student with services that fit your lifestyle, 
and we offer more than 90 programs and specializations for where you are and where you want to be. University of Maryland University College is now University of Maryland Global Campus. We go the distance because times have changed, but what we're made for hasn't. UMGC offers online support for veterans, including resources at the Veterans Resource Center, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, virtual advising, transfer credits, and lifetime career services. Speak to our dedicated military and veterans advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV.